Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. S, which we say is for staying calm. So, you know, in these situations, try to stay as calm as possible. Even if, you know, you are upset, sometimes we know that police officers can try to antagonize. So it's just trying to stay calm. And then with the E is eye contact. That shows confidence. It shows you haven't done anything wrong. Um, A is for asking questions. So the questions that you should be asking are the four W's. So, you know, why are you stopping me? What are you looking for? Who are you and what station are you from? And this is information that police officers should be giving you when they stop you anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, you know, ask for a receipt um, because every stop, you know, you should be given a receipt. And if you're not at the time, you've got up to three months to um, ask for one. Um, you know, being confident as well, being confident in applying that search acronym and being confident in asking your questions and then holding to account. So if a stop has gone on and you're not happy, you have every right to complain about it. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Shanna, youth voice and practitioner lead at Stopwatch and Dope Black Mom of Two. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So Stopwatch, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Stopwatch and how you got involved with the organisation? Yep, so Stopwatch is a charity and our aim is to promote fair, effective and accountable policing, primarily through Stop and Search. Um, We provide free legal advice, we do educational rights workshops, we do a lot of research into Stop and Search and a lot of work around the policy and legislation with Stop and Search. Um, I got involved with Stopwatch because my background is criminology and I've always had an interest in Stop and Search. My university dissertation was about Stop and Search. It's just a cause that I think has just been a bit close to my heart and I've always been really interested in it. So when the job came up at Stopwatch for a youth voice lead, um, yeah, I just decided to go for it because it sounded really interesting and I've got a lot of experience working with young people as well. So it was just like an amalgamation of the two things that, you know, my experience and my interest. So that's how I got involved with Stopwatch. It's really heavy work, like heavy work day in, day out. Yeah. What do you do for yourself just to, to keep yourself straight? And especially as a mother, I, yeah. I, I would just find all these little fears and everything. I mean, when you watch the news in general, we have fears. We have fears yeah. anyway for our children. We have greater fears for our, our black boys. But how are you protecting yourself just day to day? Uh, well, I'm a big advocate of self-care. So mm. I know it can be really hard, but it's like try to leave work at work. Mm -hmm. Um, There is some crossovers because obviously if you're dealing with like young black boys getting stopped, you know, I've got a son who's 14 and a son who's 11. So I do find myself like if something happens, I will just speak to him. You do remember the stuff I've taught you about stop and search, don't you? And he's like, yes, mom. But, you know, (laughs) try, try not to like overload him. But yeah, you definitely have to have that balance where you leave work at work and also just having time to yourself as a mum. So for me, I like to run. I do kickboxing. 
I like to have massages and I think it's important I mean just doing these some some sort of activity just for yourself at least once a week I think is good because we do get caught up so much in work in being a mother we don't really take time for ourselves. but sometimes that can be overwhelming but when you do take that time it's like you get to recharge and you get to come back with a little bit more patience and just a little bit more calm so definitely you do have to take your time the second I take time for myself I actively feel like a better mother yeah exactly I love your slogan, make aware, not scare. I think it's really important, obviously, to have these conversations. And sometimes it can feel a little bit like you need to have the talk. Yeah. To to have that mission of make aware, not scare, I think, is where we need to come at it from. So how, how can we prepare and not scare? Like, how can we have these conversations? Any just practical advice, any language that you're finding useful for younger children and maybe teens? I think it's one of those things where obviously, you know, as parents, especially black parents to particularly black boys, we know it's a conversation that we need to have. It's not one that we want to have. And by no means is it a comfortable conversation. Even for me having these conversations, it's not comfortable. But unfortunately, we do need to prepare our children. So when we say prepare and not scare, what we mean by that is, I think, as Black people, I'm sure we have lots of generational stories about experiences with the police, whether that's from our dads, our uncles, our older male cousins. Like, there, there is a lot of trauma involved in it there's generational trauma and there's community trauma so it's not about you know passing on those stories and you know scaring the youngers but it's about preparing them so for me if your child's at an age where they're going to be out and about without you I think that's the time when you should be having those conversations and Mm -hmm. it can just be sort of you know you might be out and you might see a police officer or something might come up on the tv or you know with social media there's always lots of videos going around and I think those are perfect like conversation starters or even just as part of a wider conversation of when you are out and about by yourself and how you conduct yourself um, I think the most important thing is regardless of, you know, personal experiences and any anger or grudges that you may hold, I think that angry energy, it doesn't do any good when you're trying to explain to children how about stop and search. I think it's more coming from the place that, you know, stop and search is a police tactic. It's a tool. Um, if something's happened in an area, you know, the police may want to speak to you about something or they may... Um, want to stop and search you so I think it's more about explaining you know exactly what it means and why they do it not necessarily making them know that you know because you're a black boy you might get stopped and searched because I think again that sort of causes confusion about identity Um, Mm -hmm. even though we as adults know that sometimes you know it is because of racism but I think sometimes um, you know saying that to children can make them feel a little bit like just being themselves is wrong because I think that's what ultimately ends up happening to a lot of young black boys when they're stopped and searched all the time um I think that the most important thing is to let them know what their rights are and to let them know um you know that 
let's say for example if you're just with your friends and you're in the park and a police officer comes up to you and might just say you know you know what's your name what are you doing here you don't actually have to engage in a conversation with a police officer them just speaking to you um doesn't mean that you have to engage in a conversation with them if you feel uncomfortable unless they're actually detaining you and by detaining i mean like stopping and searching you for a reason you don't have to engage with that so sometimes it might just be about walking away if you feel uncomfortable i have two children um... yeah have a son what sort of age are we meant to be starting to have these sort of talks I would say the age where your children are going to be going out without you so for me it's like my I've got an 11 year old and he's going to be going to secondary school in September so for me that's sort of like the ideal age because he's going to be going to school to and from you know by himself so like I said just in part of like a wider conversation the conversations that you would have maybe just about safety you know make sure you don't have your mobile phone out you might have those sort of conversations just say in there you know while you're on your way to school or while you're on your way home you might be stopped and searched by a police officer so again I just want to let you know like what your rights are in this situation and the reasons why this might happen I think that's the perfect time to have that kind of conversation or it may be for a lot of young people their first experiences of stop and search come secondhand so they may be out with their dads or out with their uncles or older brothers and they may experience it that way so if that happens I think it's also important to sort of um, you know sit them down and speak to them about what they've seen Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. That's really good. What's yeah. happening to you and why this is happening? Exactly. And I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but can you just talk about our basic rights? Like, what yeah. should we all be doing immediately if we're yeah. stopped? And, so, and parents, yeah. how can we support our loved ones if they're stopped? Yeah. So I think the first thing when you're going to talk to your child about stop and search is just speaking to them about how they should conduct themselves if this happens. So we use the search acronym, which is S, which we say is for staying calm. So, you know, in these situations, try to stay as calm as possible, even if, you know, you are upset. Sometimes we know that police officers can try to antagonise. So it's just trying to stay calm. And then with the E is eye contact. That shows confidence. It shows you haven't done anything wrong. Um, A is for asking questions. So the questions that you should be asking are the four Ws. So, you know, why are you stopping me? What are you looking for? Who are you and what station are you from? And this is information that police officers should be giving you when they stop you anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have, you know, ask for a receipt. Um, because every stop, you know, you should be given a receipt. And if you're not at the time, you've got up to three months to um, ask for one. Um, you know, being confident as well, being confident in applying that search acronym and being confident in asking your questions and then holding to account. So if a stop has gone on and you're not happy, you have every right to complain about it. Um, Now, in terms of basic rights, so as I said, you don't have to engage in a conversation with a police officer. If you're just sitting in a park or you're just walking with your friends, they might say, you know, what's your name? What are you doing around here? Um, You can say, you know, sorry, are you detaining me? Which means, you know, do you have actual reasonable grounds to stop and search me? Because if not, I don't actually have to engage in this conversation and you can just walk away. Um, Just because they're a police officer and they're asking you questions, it doesn't mean that you have to answer them. Now, in order for that to move on from, sorry, a general conversation 
to um, being detained, an officer must have reasonable grounds for a stop. And these reasonable grounds are because they think you have illegal drugs on you, they think you're carrying a weapon, they think you have stolen property, or you may be carrying something which may be used to commit a crime, such as, I don't know, bolt cutters or a crowbar, for example. So when a police officer stops you, they must have reasonable grounds. It can't just be, you know, oh, well, you're wearing a hoodie or you're in a high crime area. They must actually have reasonable grounds. Um, once an officer does, you know, is going to stop and search you, they need to give you their name and their ID number. They need to say what station they're from. They need to explain to you why they are conducting the search. And they also need to tell you what they are looking for. So these are the things that they need to do. And if they don't do these things, then that essentially can result in an unlawful stop. And you have every rights on those grounds to complain. Hmm. I almost want a little card with all these bullet points on me just to walk around because it it makes perfect sense what you're saying. Yeah. The four W's, it all makes sense. And I'm right now, I'm sitting yeah. down, I'm rational, I'm calm. Yeah, we do have those materials as well. So we have like little okay. why stop cards. We also have a parent's guide at Stopwatch where we have a little pullout as well. Um, so yeah, those are materials because it is. And, at, you know, sometimes as much as, you know, even I can say these things at a time, you don't know the circumstances of these things. You know, your head's all over the place, you're scared, you know, you're worried. And these things might just come out of your head. So it is always good to have these things, these materials on you. So you can just remind yourself of your rights. That, that's it. And I think, um, you know, stop, drop and roll. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I was taught that in school and that was drawn into me. Um, I went to school in the States, but that was drawn into me. I almost feel like we need those four W's taught yeah. in school. Because yes. when I've been in those situations of a fire or actually kind of any dangerous situation um, with maybe strangers, any of, any of those moments that those learnings have kind of sprung up in my mind and I've yeah. understood what to do, but it's because it's been drilled into me in school. And I would love those four W's just to feel like, yeah, almost washing your hands, just to feel so <clears throat> second nature. This is what happens. This is what you do. Is, is there any, any way of that happening or any way we can, I suppose, or, or is it just down to us parents to, no, I think in regards to, like I said, we do have materials at Stopwatch. We are actually currently updating them as well. So we'd love to have any like feedback from any parents. And we're taking feedback to young people as to, you know, how, just like you said, coming up with some sort of slogan or something like that. So it's easy to remember. When you're in panic, yeah, just everything goes out the window. Yeah. And especially some, some moments that I've uh, been in with kind of, trauma or um predators you, you know there's things you remember about what to do about strangers what to do about kind of yeah. potential rape situations what yeah. to do about fire you know you know these things and it feels like second nature and those moments even though you feel like you don't take them in at school when you're in a situation they kind of pop up from nowhere and i'd love those four w's just to be embedded like that yeah yeah, and that is definitely something that we are working on at Stopwatch, just how we can make that, you know, more visible and just more widespread. And I think it's exactly things like this where we have conversations and, you know, as people, as parents, as young people, we go and we tell other people, you know, there's there's power in stories and there's power in conversation because the more we talk about it and the more people that we tell are the more people that 
are aware. So even if, for example, you get into a situation and you forget them, there may be a bystander or someone else that's there that does remember them. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really good to sort of have these that's conversations it. and share the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knowing the procedure so they can exactly. kind of help in in moments of of crisis. Um, earlier this year, we obviously had the child queue issue, yeah. and everything that went on with that. Can you just talk about the procedure for more more thorough searches and strip searches and and what we can do in those moments when you're being stopped and searched generally the police can ask you to remove sort of like your outer clothing like jackets and scarves or items that may conceal your identity such as and that's, something, that's something you have to comply with and that's something that you have to comply with just as a general stop and search okay. however if they want to conduct a more thorough search like the removal of outer clothing this should take place out of public view so it could be such as a police van or station and it shouldn't be in the presence of officers of the opposite sex and the search should be conducted by an officer of the same sex. Now, in regards to the difference between strip searching adults and children, the only sort of difference is that an appropriate adult must be there. So say, for example, if this was something that happened on the school premises, it could be like a member of staff could act as an appropriate adult or um so, for example, they were engaging in youth activities or support worker. Anyone over the age of 18 could act as an appropriate adult, but parents don't necessarily have to be notified that this is happening. They should be told afterwards, but, you know, you don't have to be notified that a strip search is going to be conducted on your child, which is actually quite scary. You don't have to be notified. That feels wild. Yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. But, um, and, and there's yeah. nothing we can do about that. There's no... I mean, there is something we can do about it. You know, we can complain at the moment at Stopwatch, you know, something that, um, you know, I attended the House of Commons last week. Um, I'm sure that you saw the video of Deshaun Joseph. I did see, yeah. And so his mum is actually at the moment working on a bill called the Deshaun Joseph Justice Bill. And that is all about moving from guidance, which is all there is at the moment around police stopping and searching children, to actually making it legislation. So these are the sort of things that will be covered. Um, But yeah, I mean, all we can do is when these things happen is make complaints, like continually make noise about it, because that's the only way that, you know, we're going to get listened to. Mm, So just keeping the conversation going. It's keeping the the conversation going. And I think that, you know, the thing with what happened with child Q is because by no means is it an isolated incident. It's just one that got made very, very public. So mm. I feel like in doing that, it has made people sit up and think, oh, hold on a second. I didn't know the police was allowed to do that. And that, again, forces that conversation. But it's about keeping it going and it's about trying to do something about it. Mm. And can you talk about Section 60? So this is... yeah blanket police authority which can be applied to any specific postcode and this comes up quite a bit and it and it feels like this gives the police the ability to search anyone without any reason exactly so you know we just spoke about reasonable grounds when there's a section 60 in place the police do not have to have reasonable grounds so a section 60 can be it's named section 60 because it's under section 60 of the criminal justice and public order act um, 1994 so they just it's a you know section 60 is just like a a short name for it um 
warrants this to be actioned? So it has to be a senior officer who who authorises this space because they may believe that an incident involving serious violence may take place in that specified area or that people will be carrying dangerous instruments or offensive weapons or an incident involving serious violence has taken place in that specified area. So, for example, let's say someone has been stabbed and the police believe that there may be retaliations or that that, people, that person is still armed and loose on the area. They can um, issue a section 60 for up to 24 hours and if they and again that can be extended for a maximum of 48 hours so within that time let's just say within e8 the police can say they can stop and search anyone within that time with no reasonable grounds the only thing they have to tell you is that you're being stopped and searched because and section 60 has been issued in this area and that really is it so your normal rights that you may have in a stop and search don't exist when a section 60 is in place and it's quite dangerous because number one not a lot of people actually know what a section 60 is or that it even exists um the police will say oh you know we say we use we use twitter to let people know that a section 60 is going to be in a certain area or um, i was at a community safety meeting and the officer was asked you know how do you let people know oh we tell our partners you know but who are these partners that you tell yeah that's just so, them feeling that they're covering themselves. Ex- exactly. So you may walk into that situation and you have no idea of Section 60s in that area. Next minute you're being stopped and searched. You know, no reasons are being given. Um, you know, all your rights that you may have been taught. Now you're like, oh, well, that doesn't apply in this situation. So that's why Section 60s can be particularly dangerous. And again, because the disproportionality of the way that it's used is that it does affect young black males disproportionately mm. so again it's just dangerous in that in that regards of victimizing and harassing people yeah it just feels like an open slate to do whatever you want exactly and that's what it, it called it's called a suspicion to stop because that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. and with your day-to-day work with section 60s with everything that you're doing yeah what's the mental health kind of implications with, with the people that you're dealing with day to day? What was yeah. the effect that you're seeing? Um, stop and search has huge ramifications on on, mm. on mental health. And I don't I don't think it's something that, um, especially with the police, because to them it's just a tactic, it's a tool, you know, it's part of their toolkit, it's one of the things that they do. Apparently, but, it almost feels quite flippant of how they can it, do it. Of course it is. You know, to them, they're just, yeah. you know, on the day job, yeah, a couple of stop and searches, you know. <laughs> that's that just what person, it is. Yeah, exactly. That person who stopped and search, it, it would make me never want to leave the house. As a parent, exactly. I'm very fearful. It makes me uh, heightened fear exactly. for my boys and my boy. And, right. you know, just, it, it's, it's very scary. And that's exactly what it is. And, you know within the black community the trauma from stop and search is generational the whole community feel it as well as individuals as mothers you know it's something that you know our our boys go out particularly when it's our sons and it's something that we worry about it's something that we have to talk to them about and for young boys that are stopped and searched um, whether it's once whether it's twice whether it's 10 times the feedback is always the same particularly when it's one where you know there's been you know the overuse of physical force when there's been Mm -hmm. aggression when there's been no reason when there's been cuffing tasering I mean there's so many layers to what can happen to you during a, a stop and search if that does include a strip search you know it the trauma is just, it's unmeasurable sometimes. It's unmeasurable. Because You're right. It, it, 
unmeasurable. Yeah. What you do to you to your to your ability to leave the house. You yeah. Know, have confidence in yourself, which could affect you going to get a job. Get exactly. Your relationships. It, yeah. It, bleed into your whole life it's it, you're right it's unmeasurable it really can I mean you know sometimes it's like you know not wanting to go out not wanting to socialize you know feeling like you know why is this happening to me feeling like you know am I doing something wrong if you're just mm. going to school or you're coming home from football or you know some of these just really everyday things that people do or young black boys do and mm-hmm. they're just criminalized you see all because your friends of it. doing exactly and it's just not fair and it can lead to those sort of things and it sort of um, you know, as parents as well, like I heard one young boy who spoke and he was saying, you know, his mum used to say to him, you know, don't wear this do-rag, don't wear this tracksuit when you go out, don't wear this earring, don't do this, don't do that. And he was just feeling like, but I, I can't be myself. Like, yeah, you know, why, what's the point of even of even going out? Like, if, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, why is it my fault? Why do I have to change the way that I dress? Why do I have to change the way that I conduct myself? I'm just being a normal child. And so Mm -hmm. I think as well, you know, what Stop and Search does for a lot of our black boys is it causes an identity crisis. You know, it's like, am I doing something wrong just by being myself? If the police think I'm doing something wrong, then, you know. I must be inherently wrong. There's something wrong with me. Exactly. And that's what what happens. And for some people, you know, Stop and Search can be one-off experience for, but for a lot of young black boys, it is habitual. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so normal to them they don't even feel like it's doing anything wrong when you speak to them about you know the trauma behind it they don't even feel like it's trauma if you're going out and just the mere sight of a police officer or a police you know siren going off you you know your heart's racing and you feel scared you know you feel a bit anxious that is trauma Mm -hmm. it is it is and and so I think it's getting and that 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 living like that yeah intrinsically changes how you walk through life it does your day to day how you connect to life if you're a parent how you connect to your children that that fear which we all have you know we can pass that on to our children and it's um like i just yeah immeasurable i think is the word yeah no it is it's exactly like you said yeah it's that passing down it's that um that generational trauma but that's something that we've, we're also working on at stopwatch so last year we had our first raw summit raw standing for rights and well-being and what that was about was as well as um you know teaching people their rights and trying to empower communities through the knowledge of that was also about healing from stop and search in a therapeutic way so it was right. all different sorts of things such as you know writing and yoga and deep breathing and sort of like on the spot regulation that's techniques great so like that a safe space use. for people who have been exactly stopped. exactly and i think it was it was that sort of space that actually some people were like you know what i never actually thought that i was traumatized by what was happening to me i just thought it was normal you know you go out you get your keys you get ready you're on your way probably you get stopped you know it wasn't it was just seen as something normal it's so important for people to be in a space where they can like oh you oh, that happens to you too you react like that too exactly you cannot be aware and like i said as a parent we can pass these things on to our children so easily and these traumas have such big effects that they do. I can see how it could uh, could bleed into your everyday life, like the ability to have confidence to go yeah. and apply for a job, apply for a promotion in your personal relationships, your romantic, romantic relationships. Like I can see how it can 
massively affect your self-worth. No, it does. And I think that, you know, when you are stopped and searched, you know, the power dynamic is such Mm -hmm. that you feel powerless. So when Mm -hmm. these things happen to you, it sort of causes this, you know, this festering anger within you. So a lot of mothers and parents, you know, mums and dads have um, reported that they've just seen a change in their child's temperament. And I think sometimes why it can be good to have these conversations is because sometimes kids are getting stopped and searched and they're not actually telling their parents. And I think that because, you know, the police don't actually have to make parents aware that this has happened. So they sort of keep it to themselves. And sometimes it is because they feel humiliated, they feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they feel as though if they tell their parents they've been stopped and searched that they're gonna think, well, you know, well, what did you do? That's been something else that's been fed back that like, well, you know, when I did speak to my parents about it, they kind of was like, well, you know, you must have done something wrong for the police to stop you. So I think that there's an element of that. So I think it's always good to try to just have an open conversation, like free from judgment, so your child can speak to you about what has happened. And I think also we can't underestimate what the witnessing of stop and search does. So say, for example, if your child actually sees it, but it isn't done on them, these can also have huge ramifications because if you're seeing these things happening to people that look like you, walk like you, talk like you, then ultimately you're just waiting for your turn as well. Totally, totally. I, I couldn't agree more so when this happens and there's something we would like to complain about with all the things that you've told us what's how do we go about that what's the complaints procedure yeah so if you're stopped and searched and all of these things that we've spoken about so if you haven't been good given a good enough reason if there has been excessive force that's been used when the four w's haven't been met these things are all all grounds for a complaint Um, with complaints you do have like a 12 month time limit so the most important thing is if you know, yourself, if you've been stopped and searched or your child's been stopped and searched and you're not happy with what they've said, is getting them to write down the account of what happened as soon as possible where everything's still fresh in their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is any people that witnessed it, you know, trying to get maybe just like an account of what happened by them. Um, videos, videos, you know, smartphones, camera phones, they're our greatest asset in regards to stop and search because even though police wear, you know, body body-worn cameras you know sometimes they may not be on they only have to keep them for 30 days so if you've got your own video then you know this is with you for as long as you need it to be and the first thing would be to go to your local police station and this is why it's good to get all the information about the officer because straight away you know you've got their name you've got their id number you've got the um you've got the station that they're from so you can go and that will be your first steps in making a complaint i mean it's the most serious complaints that will get investigated by the ipcc but essentially the first steps of it will be that police station investigating their own officer and i think sometimes a lot of people can be like well you know what's the point in that is the police investigating the police however even though that is the case that is still a complaint that has to be logged and you know and you do need want. to get a response yeah. exactly, and you need to get a response about that. And you know that officer could have I don't know nine complaints about them. The tenth one that you come in is something that could actually be done about it because mm-hmm. you know there needs to be a record of these complaints. So I think it's always worth complaining because that's how we build up a picture, and that's how we say as a community that we're not just going to let it lie. You know we're not just going to just oh you know it happens and it's been happening. And, you know making a complaint's not going to do anything about it. This is how we do something think about it but more people need to complain Mm, that is really really good advice 
Are there, in your day-to-day -day work with Stopwatch, are there um, recurring myths that are just dangerous, things that, that just keep on recurring for you that, that mm. you're just, this, this is kind of hurting the cause, hurting yeah. the mission? I think that rather than myths, I think there's facts that people need to know. So, yeah. for example, you know, there is an age limit on stop and search. If a child is under the age of 10, especially when it comes to strip, strip search, there does need to be like exceptional circumstances. But children can be stopped in search and their parents don't have to be informed, like we sort of said earlier. I think another thing is parents thinking that they have sort of powers that, if your child is stopped and you're there or if it's you know you, you see it and you come running outside as a parent you actually don't have any rights other you know more than any other bystander i mean you're great brutal doesn't it it's, I mean, it's horrible absolutely it horrible. horrible it doesn't that just goes against everything yeah naturally you want to yeah. you want to run and protect your child of but, course especially okay. if your child is, you know, if there's, you know, excessive force being used on your child as a parent, you know, you want to get involved. But I think the main thing to to always keep in mind is that that's not going to help. The only thing that's going to happen is parents are probably going to get arrested for obstructing the search. Yeah. Um, the child's are probably going to get irate seeing their parent get um, getting arrested or being restrained. That's going to cause them to panic and for that situation to get worse. I think... That's really, really hard though isn't it that that's it, it is it really is hard to remember in the moment of just to take a breath and like yeah but, like that just when everything in your blood wants to go in you know go yeah. wild that's hard of course but i think I mean, that just aggravate aggravates a situation but yeah and I think that's what we always need to hold in our mind, that getting involved is just going to make the situation worse. The greatest thing that you can do is to, if it is a situation that's making you feel like that, is to record it. Because then you have all of your evidence that you need to take it further. And also, you know, even if you're a bystander and it's not your child, you know, we don't need 100 camera phones, you know, just recording the incident. But what we do need is someone to say, look... I'm going to record this for you. Let them know why, because, you know, what's happening is not right. And I'm going to record this for you. So you have evidence, um, you know, not just because, oh, let me just record this and stick it on social media or send it to my friend, but letting them know that I'm going to record this so that you have a record for your, you know, for you to do something about it. But yeah, as parents, you, you actually just don't have any more rights than a bystander. Um, and it's mainly just, you know, trying to keep your child calm. You know, there's nothing wrong if you speak to them. While your child is being stopped or in search, you can't actually, you can't hand them anything. You can't give them anything. They can't give anything to you. All you can kind of do is maybe, you know, ask the police officer these questions. Let them know who you are. Um, and, yeah, just recording, recording, recording is the best thing that you can do in those situations. Okay. And I feel like stop and search in our community, especially with our black children as a conversation yeah. we've all had mm -hmm. for decades. Yes. And is there any positivity? Is there any changes? Are we making any progress with with the more information that we've had with, with organizations that are out there? Is, is anything changing or is it still? Um, I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, like the statistics around stop and search are pretty much the same. 
like year in year out. Yeah. Um, I think, but but what is a good thing is that I feel like because of the use of social media now, because of you know the wide use of camera phones, I think that what is happening is that police are having to be account held. They're being held accountable a lot more. Yeah. And I feel like once that accountability factor is up, we will see some progress. So I mm-hmm. feel like it's got to a point where historically we know that stop and search isn't anything new historically we know that it disproportionately affects young black males and young black children but with the use of like i said social media camera phones the accountability factor has gone up and because of that i feel like we will see a difference and Mm. even though as horrifying as it is when we hear about these stories such as child q and what happens to sean joseph when these things come to the attention of the media and it causes this outrage that, you know, we need to keep that momentum going because it's only then are we going to see systematic change because it, it can't just be about one person. It has to be a change within the system. Mm-hmm. And just, just out of interest, do you ever yeah. get people saying to you, this kind of only happens in the US, this is not a UK thing? Yeah, lots of the time. I think that people think that just in terms of, oh, you know, but, you know, police brutality, that's an American issue. We don't have it like we have it there. And I think, you know, don't mistake the fact that because American police officers have guns, you know, mm. their intent it is and happening their... here and it's happening everywhere. Yeah, it doesn't mean that what happens over here is any less traumatic. You know, trauma is relevant, isn't it? So over here, police officers might not have guns but they still have it's a it's the power dynamic mm-hmm. it's the power dynamic of feeling just powerless and feeling like you know whatever they say goes and we can't do anything and you know even if you complain nothing's going to happen I think that's the danger and it's not an American thing we have police officers here we have stop and search here in America they have stop and frisk here we have stop and search it's exactly the same yes it is I think that's a really um ignorant statement but it comes up I think quite a lot it doesn't kind of happen here but I'm like it it really does yeah I think what what doesn't happen here as I mean it's not it's not um it's not ne- it's not that it's never happened because we all know about Mark Duggan you know that people think oh but people aren't getting killed by the police um mm. You have to remember that as well, America as a country is very, very large. So when we hear about these incidents, you know, there's a lot more people over there, but people are killed by the police in England. Um, I think that sometimes, you know, if you're not actually looking for the statistics and if you're not looking for these cases and the media choose not to publish them, you may not be aware of them, but it happens. It's not on the same frequency, but it does happen. It's Mm. not unheard of. Mm, mm. But I mean, it's it's the more it's the more day to day challenging. It's the more day to day harassing, <clears throat> bullying, and intimidation that we have as well. Yeah. So for everybody listening today, are there any? What can we do right now to make mm-hmm. a difference to the cause, like today? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think that just on a personal level on a community level what we can do is make sure that we know our rights so that when stop and search search occurrences do happen we're actually helping and not making it worse i think that's the first thing i think just like i said you know there'll be people who are listening to this there'll be people who are not going to listen to this as parents we need to have these discussions we need to you know approach schools ask them you know are you doing anything about stop and search what are you teaching our children about stop and search ask your children's schools what their procedures are for example 
um, if just like with Q, a young person comes into school and they feel like you know they're, they're smelling of weed or if you are going to call the police do you do you call parents I think it's having these conversations it's making sure that we're having conversations with our children and also making sure that we're not only having conversations but we're giving them the right information we're not passing on fear and anxiety to them but we're actually empowering them by letting them know their rights letting them know you know this, the things we discussed the four w's you know how to conduct yourself when these things happen um i think those are the most important things that we can do like the power of stories the power of conversations whether that's one-on-one two-on-two and never letting it stop so always you know with me like the minute the, every chance i get to speak about stop and search people are probably sick of it like i'm like well you do know that you know and you don't have to accept this and you've got to make sure with that because there's there's power in that yeah there's a there lot of power. and i think that people think that you know, you've got to do these big campaigns and marches and all of this. And yeah, that's great. But don't ever underestimate the power of just a parent talking to another parent, an adult talking to another adult. Even, you know, you've spoken to your child about something and they go and speak to their friends about something. There's power in that as well. And I think that's how we empower ourselves as a community by just having these conversations and making sure that everything's so what everybody's aware of these rights. And and doing something, being proactive, having exactly. That's great advice. That's great advice right now. I think we could all take up the challenge to do that what would you like to see change long term um i think that i think it's important to note that like i said stop and search is a police tactic is a police tool nobody's against stop stop and search what we want is for it to be used in a fair way and in an effective way because the problem with stop and search is it's largely ineffective it doesn't work um i feel like the police will push this rhetoric that oh yeah you know we're tackling violent crime and knife crime however the statistics on that are very very poor i mean only 12 percent of stop and searches are for offensive weapons and you know like it just it just doesn't add up so it's like, make sure that when you're policing and you're doing stop and search, it's intelligence-led stops. It's not stops that are ba- based on stereotypes, prejudice, systemic racism. We want to see people being stopped, you know, because there's actual reasons. They actually have reasonable grounds. And not just because, you know, you're in a high crime area or because someone's wearing a hoodie or because you don't like the look of somebody or they fit the description, which is one that they love to use a lot. You know, that is, that's what we would like to see. We'd also like to see, you know, children you know, there's some real, having some real legislation, not just guidance around the way that the police treat children when they are stopped, because essentially more than anything, they are children, you know, even if a young person is carrying a weapon, or even if a young person is in possession of drugs, they're still a child, so you need to, you know, once any immediate threat has been eliminated, it's about, it's about treating them as such, I think, you know, having a more trauma-informed approach to stop and search is also important. So police officers understanding the trauma that it actually does cause and actually caring and doing something about it. I think those are the changes that we would like to see, essentially. That would be so amazing to to understand trauma, because I would love to think if they understood the day-to-day, how that can affect someone's life and the lives that that person is connected to, that you might think before, like, do I really need to action this? Do I really need to do the stop and search? Do I have, do I truly believe this is going to make an impact? Because it, it does, what you're saying sounds so flippant and the yeah. damage it does sounds so uh, 
large. It's, it's just yeah. so overwhelming. I, I've seen how this can affect people. And we obviously, we, we all know the generational trauma, but, but yes. day to day, I can see how it can how it can affect and just bleed into your whole life. And like, I keep, I keep on saying this, but I can see how it can make you an introvert. I can see how it can affect yeah. your ability to connect with people, to, to have the confidence in yourself, to understand your identity, to, 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 to live your life to the, to the fullest. Yeah. I, I've seen how that can, I've yeah, seen what yeah. it can do. And it's, 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 it's horrible and like I said you know for young black boys especially they shouldn't have to feel like they're doing something wrong just by existing exactly and I think that's essentially you know when you're someone who has been a victim of you know unwarranted and unlawful stops that is how it can leave you feeling and it's not fair and I think that you know as parents sometimes you know we know teenage teenagers can be difficult we know that teenagers can be stroppy but I think that when it comes to police and the police always have to remember that they are the professionals regardless yeah. of how somebody may act you are the professionals it's down to you to act in a professional way you know yeah, you the are the ones with the gut exactly and it's like even if you just step out of your role as a police officer for a second if this was your child or your niece or your nephew how would you want them to be treated you know would you mm -hmm. stop them in this same way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to me, I don't think that's a lot to ask. I think that, you know, no, police are public servants. And at the end of the day, they need to serve us in the way that is is most useful and beneficial. I agree, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. And compassion, I agree. Exactly. And just human dignity as well. I mean, a lot of, a lot of you know, the reports that we've had is like, just treat me like a human being. Yeah. Yeah, and that can lead to the resentment and the just the sheer anger, exactly. which there's no, there's no, well, that just takes a lot of work to kind of work through that. For, for anybody listening that's been affected by the yeah. things we're talking about, is there any, anything you'd like to say to them? Yeah, so I would like to say, you know, talk about it. Yeah. The more that you talk about it is the easier it becomes, you know, there's a, you know, there's power in storytelling, there's power in, um, you know, telling people what you've been through, it can take a weight off of your mind. There's lots of people that have been through this. Um, at Stopwatch, we, you know, we have an advice line, we provide free legal advice, we can help That's you through a complaints procedure. Um, we have a parents guide, we have a complaints guide, we have a stop surviving stop and search guide. Um, so if, if that is, you know, even just materials, you know, you can read up on it, you know, get get your head around certain things before you go into conversations. We have our second um, Rights and Wellbeing Summit coming up at the end of this year. Um, so that's something else that you can get involved in. We're always looking for parents to get involved. We're actually thinking about, well, one of the things that we want to do is sort of set up a parents forum so that, you know, when these things happen, you know, we can support each other. And as a community, right. like I said, we can speak to each other and we can get advice because it's horrible, but you're not alone. It's um, horrible and you can feel and you can also feel that shame, can't you? Yeah, you can. And I think for a lot of parents, like I said, they feel like, oh, well, you know, if my child's getting stops and searched, they must be doing something wrong. And that, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, majority of the time, it's not the case. Mm. Mm. Um, and sometimes maybe it is the case, but again, you know, come and speak to us you know, join when we put these things out, like we're always looking for parents. At the moment, we're actually updating our parents' guide. So we're looking for parents who may have a story to tell or just for, you know, let us know what you would like to see in the guide. Um, 
so there's all these sorts of things as well that's great you've talked about the summit and the guides anything else that's coming up next for stopwatch Yep. So what we are doing at the moment as well, we're sort of changing the structure of our organisation. So as we saw, we used to be a coalition. So it's like, you know, lawyers and academics. And we did a lot of work behind the scenes. So like working on policy changes and doing reports. And what we are doing now is tomorrow of a model where we're getting out there in the community and letting people know that we're there. So holding community events, you know, teacher training in regards to stop and search. You know, we're trying to be a more youth-led organisation where we're hearing what young people have to say. And also, for example, I said, we've got this, um, you know, why stop, which is the search cards. We're going to be updating them. We want young people to tell us, you know, you know, let us speak your language. You know, what do you want to see? How is it going to be easy for you to remember this information? We're looking at a more, again, child focused um, where we're looking at, you know, how stop and search affects children and ways in which the legislation can help with that. So these are the sort of things that we're sort of moving into and doing more workshops in schools and connecting with the community a lot more and young people. That sounds brilliant, connecting with the youth and just understanding yeah. how they take in information. So yes. what's going to be actually useful for them? What can they actually, what do they need? How can exactly. we support them? Exactly. And how can we follow the conversation with Stopwatch? Yeah, so you can um, find us on www.stop-watch.org. Um, we have Twitter, which is Stopwatch UK. We also have an Instagram. Um, you know, you can make donations to us. We do not accept funding from the government or the police uh, because we don't want to compromise our work. So we're always grateful for any donations that are made to us to, you know, do the work that we do. But um, yeah, you can you can find us just stop watch.org and yeah, please do you know have a look. We've got a lot of great projects at the moment, so it would be really good for you to just have a look. And like I said, you can download the guides that we have. They're all online. They're all um, PDF downloadable formats that you can have on your phone as well. So yeah, Amazing. please do have a look at that and leave any feedback. Amazing. Thank you, Shannon. This has been so informative and I really hope it can help to kind of demystify everything that um, that goes on around stop, stop and search because I feel yeah. it's such a big topic and there's so much trauma around it that sometimes you might just kind of zone out a little bit. Yes. But it's great yes. just to get the facts, know our rights and hopefully make a difference. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for sharing. Dope. Black Mums. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.